It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search it out is the glory of kings. This is the Message to Kings podcast. Episode 291, The Kingdom Parables Part 2, The Parables of Judgment. In the time of Jesus, Israel was an agrarian society. Its economy, its society evolved around sowing and harvest. Its primary economy export was foodstuffs. Uh, This is what people knew. It was their society. Uh, A huge part of education for youth was 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 practical on how to care for and sustain a family, to help in the family business of farming or trade work. Today, food is just a tiny sliver of our economy for things have changed over the millennia. There are no Walmarts, no grocery stores back then. Um, It was agrarian-based economy. It was basic in its market-style economy. And Jesus, as a master communicator, chose parables related to the society he lived in. If he came today, he'd make jokes about social media day, not for any reason, but to communicate with others and use them as examples or illustrations. He used figures of speech all the time, which related to people and their language. He knew exactly what he was saying, and he even quoted philosophical stayings, and Paul would even go on to quote Greek poets to relate to his audience. And now Jesus continues the kingdom parables. There's a lot of tie-ins to the seven churches, even symbolism of church history. There's even a tie-in to the seven words of Jesus on the cross. But for now, we'll just continue with the parable of the wheat and the tares, and then fast forward to the final one called the parable of the dragnet, as they're very similar in nature. So don't worry, we will still go back in a future episode um, and cover all of them. But in essence, there appears to be three groups of kingdom parables, three on sowing and reaping, two on judgment, and two on riches. And it could be broken down as this, we reap what we sow, either judgment or eternal riches. It's the simplicity of Jesus's message. It's the agrarian outlook on life. It's the eternal perspective of this life. If you sow, you will reap the reward. And if you don't, you will suffer. It's simple in its structure, yet it goes as deep as you want to go. Matthew 13, 24. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat, and he went away. And when the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the seeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. And the servant said, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you're pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at that time, I will tell the harvesters, First collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Jesus helps us out. And like the parable of the sower, we have his word word for word interpretation. He makes it easy for us. Matthew thirteen thirty six. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. 
The weeds are the people, the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are the angels. And as the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out his kingdom, everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them in the blazing furnace, where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father, and whoever has ears... Let them hear. Basically, it's heaven or hell. I mean, we can't deny eternal punishment. It's right here. Guys, if you haven't repented, please do so. I I don't want your guilt in my hands if you don't repent. I mean, eternal torment sounds terrible. Repent and be baptized. I always wanted to say it like that. What I find interesting is how the devil sows the seed in the same world that believers are in. Some seed is in the world, in the marketplace, in politics, or even in the church. And if you doubt the church part, see the Pharisees and Sadducees as they're already plotting to kill Jesus. I mean, I've seen enough in this life to know that Pharisees still exist, and they hide under the attitude of external worship and the praise of men, but they lack true faith. The last of the kingdom parables is quite similar. The parable of the net. Matthew thirteen forty-seven. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that's let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. And when it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down, collected the good fish in baskets, then threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them in the blazing furnace where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood these things? Jesus asked. They replied, yes. He said, therefore, every teacher of the law that has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out his storeroom, new treasures, as well as old. Again, we have eternal punishment here. The good and the bad fish are in the same body of water, the world, and yet there will be a reckoning. It's true. The decisions we make today impact eternity, at least the outcome of our eternity, where we go, where we live, what we'll do and the rewards of eternity. I'm, I'm so like juiced up in a biblical history kind of way of the last phrase of Jesus' interpretation. I pondered it for years. Every teacher is like the owner of a house who brings out his storeroom, new treasures, as well as old. As a history, history guy and lover of history, I can't help but chew on this. A teacher brings out treasures old and new. Imagine going to Israel. You bring back a tourist gift, maybe a shirt or something, uh, a new gift and give it to the family. Uh, But you also find by digging in the earth an ancient coin, perhaps a widow's mite. This is an ancient treasure. You give it to a a family member and maybe a praying grandmother and she would treasure it, right? Uh, Here's a gift, a a new t-shirt, an ancient coin. You know, simple explanation here. But Now take it biblical. You you dig around in the book of Ezekiel and you reach out um, and and you study and study and you find that encounter at the river Kibar and you get a glimpse of heaven, perhaps even the mobile throne room of God through this study. You just really get it by reading it and studying it. This is an old treasure for the Old Testament. Then you read in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, that we are temples of the Holy Spirit, a new treasure. Mold that together and you can understand what kind of incredible power that actually dwells within you um, if we truly are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Merge that in with a bit of Romans 8, 11, and then you realize we are way more powerful than we ever imagined. 
treasures old and new. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. I had a friend, he uh, had stage three cancer, and he was researching and studying all the verses on healing. And and he really was going to go after his healing uh, by just meditating on God's word. And instead, he found all the verses about life. And as he studied all those verses of life, his body started to be transformed. It was not by the a gift of healing as much as learning that true life comes from Jesus. Um, and he's, he, he made a miraculous recovery. It's treasures old and new. Here's an historical example. Ever thought about it? The, the devil hates history. You want to know why? Knowledge is power. Hosea 4.6. My people die for lack of knowledge. George Santayana, I don't know how to say his name, (laughs) he's generally credited uh, with this statement, and it sums up why we learn history. Those who do not learn history are doomed to repeat it. I I love the story about John F. Kennedy. Whether you love him or you don't, here's an amazing story that uh, might make you admire him. One of the books that he often read was The Guns of August uh, by Barbara Tuckman. It was said that he read this book with the zeal of a provincialist. And he actually, you know, one said it was by his bed uh, most evenings. Many believe that this book and the contents of what he learned about the Great War and how it was a series of endless escalations that led to the war, which caused him to be a voice of reason and mediation in the Cuban Missile Crisis, which threatened the world with nuclear war, but concluded with a, a form of a, a peace. I don't know if I'd say that was true peace afterward as much as um, it was de-escalated. JFK learned from history. He took an old historical treasure, a book about history that was pragmatic and written with facts and accurate research, and applied the learnings to his current struggles. Taking an old treasure and creating a new one that is heralded as a pragmatic solution to a potentially terrifying escalation. Okay, now that I went down a total history side story, uh, let's pull it back to the basics. These two parables speak to judgment at the end of the age. It's heaven or the lake of fire with weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's a simple choice to me. And most of the listeners out there, I believe it should be simple for you. Uh, you want to be one of the good fish. You want to be good wheat, not tares or unclean fish. The angels will harvest the earth in what is called the rapture, the harpazo, or the taking away. It will happen at the end of the age at the twinkling of an eye. Many believe, and I think we are close, it's this generation or the next, that the end of the age is upon us. The world we live in is in many ways a virtual reality of a greater spiritual one that's at work. We don't see angels or demons or God himself. We don't see the second or third heaven. We don't. We live with limited spiritual sight. But there is a war on earth for the souls of men. The eternal war is the one between the devil and God. And, and, and the devil is no match for God. Um, all, the, all the devil really has is an old strategy of temptation, of witchcraft and fear. It's his game plan. His goal is to destroy the ones whose image we are made in. He hates God and especially his son, Jesus. And we are made in his image, so he hates us. 
His goal is to destroy us and make us feel his pain and bring down humanity to his place and his future destination, which is the lake of fire and hell, where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth, where not even thirst is quenched. Hell was not made for you. It was made for the devil. And I plead with you, if you haven't made your commitment to Jesus and if you were in sin or you agree with temptation, fear, and witchcraft, I plead with you not to fall for the devil's plan. Don't join him in his punishment, for it was not designed for you. Get on your knees if you're in sin, if you're consumed with fear. Ask for God to free you to walk in the fullness of God. A fullness of peace and joy should be emanating from your life. Death is not the end. We are spiritual beings and we will live to live again. Choose life in this life and you will decide what greater reality you will live in later. God, I pray for the listeners out there that we are made aware of this greater reality. I pray you open our eyes like you did to Elisha's servant. Open our eyes, O Lord, to the greater reality so that we can taste of the heaven to come and taste of the world to come and see where our lifestyle and choices of this life are leading us. Open our eyes, O Lord, and let us see this greater reality. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Message to Kings. Check out the website, messagetokings.com, or feel free to connect with us at messagetokings at gmail.com.